The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Africa Business Focus is brought to you by SAA. The ones who fly SAA's growing route network now flying to Blantyre, Lilongwe, Vic Falls and Vintuk. Diana Games, Chief Executive at the business consultancy Africa at Work. Nigeria's presidential elections not going that well, Diana. <laughs> well, uh, Bruce, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's become uh, quite a quite a big story in the sense that um, there's been a lot of problems with with the election, which is unsurprising given the the size of the country, two hundred million odd people. Of course, only of those about well, uh, ninety four million were registered to vote. So I don't, I'm not quite sure of the percentage at this stage. Nevertheless, a huge operation. Um, they've had four years to plan for it, and it seems that the electoral body INEC has really failed in some significant ways. Um, one of those, a key one, is the um, the transmit electronic transmission of results, which they've been working on um, for the past four years, and and this has created huge problems because a lot of the results have now ended up being manual because the system hasn't worked um, in a lot of places, and of course there's huge mistrust around. Nigerian, it's a very much a winner takes all election. You know, there's no, there's no um, sort of room for compromise in many people's minds. And this issue of trust has been a big issue because of this electronic thing not working optimally. Um, so I don't know how that's going to play out. Um, at this stage, it's early days. Uh, there's a lot of people saying the election presidential needs to be cancelled. Um, others saying that a lot of the areas where this didn't work need to rerun the election. Um, there's been a lot of other problems as well. You know, this, the, the polling station's not opening on time. Um, and they only gave a six-hour window for people to vote, which also seems crazy in a country that size with with the kind of logistics problems that they do have, um, with a lot of stations only opening when they were due to be closing, etc. You know, a lot of the, the normal kind of problems that that, that you see across Africa. Um, so it's not kind of clear where this is going to go. There's a lot of anger on, on of course, on, on social media, a lot of candidates. That that's to be expected, you know, for people on the losing side of this thing. Um, they're obviously going to take issue with the, the way this is being run and so on. But um, some serious allegations, uh, although the observer missions have taken a very cautious line, basically saying, yes, there were problems, but, uh, you know, it's okay. I think that, you know, uh, sort of fundamentally it's been fairly sound um etc so it's hard to tell how this is going going to go at this stage um it seems the the ruling party candidate Bola Tanubu um seems to be ahead um a lot of people feel that, that that that's because of the rigging because he's part of the the ruling party um taking over from Mohammed Buhari uh but it's it's too early to tell and i think yeah. what's interesting is actually he's lost Lagos State. Bola Tanubi was the governor of Lagos State for two terms um, in the sort of early 2000s. Uh, but he has lost it to to um, the new guy on the block, who is Peter Obi. A lot of people thought that Peter Obi, who's a much younger candidate, quite fresh, has never been in national politics, which also might be the weakness, um, would somehow swoop in and, and capture the entire kind of youth vote and 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 sort of sudden, suddenly become the new president of Nigeria. Um, it doesn't look like at this early voting stay or early counting that that's going to happen. But, you know, I don't want to be the one predicting this. Um, so um, I think we'll we'll see how, how this goes. The other thing with Tanubu, of course, is that he has apparently quite a few health problems. And Nigerians are worried about that. They've been down this road before. They had one president die in office. 
Um, the current or the the the, uh, the immediate past president has spent a lot of his his uh, two terms in London and various places for for medical treatment, etc. So that is an issue, um, and people expectations are very high. Nigeria economically is in quite a quite a bad way with huge inflation, um, with with uh, with forex uh, shortages, devaluing currency, and a lot of problems and people really want a strong leader who can come in and just turn this ship around uh, you know w- whether any of these candidates can do that is another story i mean i don't know if it's been reported here but uh, we were south africa on the financial action task force grade listed last week nigeria has also been uh, grade listed in the same at the you same know, it's time exactly there. right and i mean I, I look at this diana and i i wonder whether nigerians are losing faith in democracy to the extent that it is happening around the world there was an interesting report from alliance today suggesting people are getting fed up with democracy their votes and nothing changes uh, and i was looking at the the turnout numbers but i wonder if the turnout numbers are as bad as they appear to be based on the fact that all of these technical issues and all of the restrictions and whether it's Nigerians rejecting the democratic process or whether the democratic process is being manipulated uh, for the benefit of the ruling elite. Uh, is it too early to call that one? Well, I think I would argue that that in fact this election, given that the country is in such a sort of dire need of new leadership that people would have turned out in force to vote, that I think that the turnout numbers wouldn't have been the issue. One of the things that possibly affecting that is that is this, uh, and I think I spoke about it the last time we, we I did the show, was about the, the redesign of the of the notes. And so what happened is that there was a deadline that, that nobody could use the old notes um, I, I can't remember, the, I think it was middle of February or so, yeah. but people just simply do not have the cash to move around and not everybody has access to to um, online banking and things like that. So people don't have, they simply don't have money to move around and to to get to places and, and things like that because they don't have, they, they can't access the new notes and they're not allowed to use the old ones. So something simple like that is uh, has has been a problem as well. I would say people would really have turned out to, to um to make democracy work, but I fear that if this, it just seems like business as usual, um, with all the with all the problems around the counting and so on, that people, yes, they might start losing faith in democracy, and then you get what we're starting to see in South Africa and many other African countries. Um, people just don't vote; they won't vote. So, in fact, your biggest voting constituency are the people who don't vote, and so that that in a way allows bad leadership because leaders can get in without actually necessarily having to have that much support in in that kind of scenario. Then Yuweri Museveni, who has been in power in Uganda since before most people in Uganda were born, probably 37 (laughs) years. Um, He's been in South Africa today in a state visit. Uh, We had the president sort of paying lip service and ignoring, uh, as he would, uh, many of the issues in uh, Uganda, including the fact that Museveni has been around so long, some people see him as a dictator. Um, But I I wonder what the benefit is of our president meeting you Yoweri Museveni in South Africa at a time where he, uh, Sir Ramaphosa, has enough problems of his own. Well, it might have come as a <clears throat> godsend to him today with all the problems swirling around him that he was able to sort of move into the space of pomp and ceremony and kind of official statements, um, perhaps. But I, I guess, you know, um, Uganda's not a big trading partner of, of South Africa. It's probably around 20th or so in on, in Africa. 
Um, but nevertheless, I think under the African free trade area, um, I guess we, we need to court um, all, all comers um, in the interest of, of increasing that trade and, and investment. But also, it's been a favoured country in East Africa for South African businesses in the past, in that kind of first wave of South African companies moving into the continent. Um, Uganda was a preferred destination. You know, it was, a well, it is at, uh, at some level, a well-run country. It's geographically strategic. It's next to Kenya, etc. So um, it's part of the East African community. So I think there's a lot of reasons to court um, uh, Uganda. But, you know, they, uh, it's a bit like with Rwanda. You know, there's always this kind of political dimension too, which one can't really just brush under the carpet. I mean, he has been labeled by many as a dictator. I mean, the opposition, he just does not tolerate political opposition. He's just uh, voted or, or decided to end the mandate of the UN officer of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, which has not gone down well <clears throat> among, um, you know, other uh, institutions and civil society because of this, this this ongoing crackdown of any kind of political opposition. And yes, he's been in power for 37 years and still looking pretty pretty strong and um, and apparently, according to his people, is looking to run again in 2026. So, you know, we'll be we're heading into sort of 40 odd years. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, and he is interestingly looking, he's quite active on, on, on Twitter and he's been talking about selling his cows. He's got also got Ancoli cows. He's been selling these to President Ramaphosa. So perhaps when they're relaxed and the cameras are off, they'll be talking about cattle rather than trade. I mean, who knows? Because, yeah, Museveni <laughs> likes the Ancoli cows. We know the president likes the Ancoli cows. And, uh, you, you know, you don't get your couches stuffed without Ancoli cows. So the, this, they've got that in common. Um, 2019, uh, I remember this vaguely, the Zimbabwean government hired four international public relations companies and said, make us look better. Uh, the trouble is, you can't polish uh, what is not there. It's, you know, if, it's, if it's a piece of coal, you can't turn it into a diamond with public relations. You need uh, to transform the coal into a diamond over billions of years. So uh, is, have they just, has Zimbabwe given up on the project? What, does it think it's worked? I wonder. Well, it'd be interesting to know what these companies thought they had to work with you know, of course, they'll take the money. And I mean, this is not new. This whole thing of hiring international PR companies at great expense um, is, is right out of the Mugabe playbook. Um, and and it's not the first time. This this was Monongagwe in 2019. He hired these four companies, three of them American and one out of London, um, and, and said, you know, make us look good, as you say. But I mean, what do, what do you do to, you know, obviously that hasn't worked because that they've now decided to that, that it's costing too much, and they've decided to cancel the the contract of these these four companies who um, uh, have been raking in money that Zimbabwe doesn't actually have um, for medicine and and all sorts of basic things. Um, so there's a moral issue there, certainly in my mind, about that. But nevertheless, um, the point is also that what happens, and the American government was one of the particular kind of targets of this charm offensive, and and the Americans just basically continue to insist that Zimbabwe implements um, uh, political reforms and governance reforms in order to um, to have sanctions uh, reviewed and things like this. And that's the one thing that Mugabe refused to do and that Monangagwa, who was part of the Mugabe government, obviously, for, for all those years, has also refused to do. They seem to think that somehow they, they'll be find somebody eventually who will support them and say what a wonderful job he's doing and and all of this without making any changes and any compromises at all. So yeah, it makes it you know obviously that was a huge waste of money. The government has now 
given up on that and um and i'm sure that money will be directed to some other vanity project probably but um they're now going to engage the u.s government and other governments directly and this is all eventually about sanctions meanwhile the sanctions are quite targeted on the very people who are driving these kind of initiatives that they you know the investment investors are not coming because of of the of the environment and they refuse to change the environment so it's that kind of vicious cycle really the, the astonishing thing about governments, thank you, Diana Games, and their propensity to spend money that they collect from their citizens uh, in the belief that you can make people ignore the facts of the environment that you create. It's astonishing. Uh, I'd love to know just how much has been spent, um, certainly multi-million dollar contracts, to four international PR companies who went and had a look at these guys and went, you want us to come and do what? Of course we will. Just pay up front, please. Yep, in US dollars. Thank you very much. After Eyewitness News now, how to actually value a company. Um, and it, it's such an interesting process that you go through because the very, I mean, the, the price of the company is whatever it's trading on at the, on the stock market. Sometimes the price is low and lots of investors go, well, it's worth a lot more than that. And so they buy it. Sometimes the price is high and a lot of investors go, well, it's not worth that, and they sell it. There's always somebody else willing to buy it, by the way, at a price close to what the peak is. And they go, well, we've got a special system that means we blow into the wind and we get sand in our eyes, and then we decide that it's worth this much, so we pay, you know, 10 times more than anyone else is prepared to pay. And that's what makes the market. It's the tension, it's the flexing, it's the ups and the downs and the excitement and the frustration and the heartache and the pain and the poverty that can come from it. But... There is, well, there are multiple sciences, and I think this is the complication. There are multiple sciences when it comes to actually putting a value on a company that is anywhere near what the market will put on that company. Keith McLaughlin at Integral Asset Management coming up in the next half hour.